This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. So um, we can go upstairs. Cool. You can get a sense of the upper floors. I was not expecting a uh, piano on the fourth floor. Yeah. <laughs> so What's the deal with the grand piano? Anybody play? I play one song. There we go. Look at that. I don't know how that's going to find its way in the podcast, it but it, it will. It's good. There you go. magic. <laughs> you just heard sounds from our tour of the National Guard Armory in San Francisco, where we got to the fourth floor and there was a random grand piano there. I'm calling for more random musical interludes on the Total SF podcast, Heather. I think that's a great idea. And luckily, I had my phone out to record this as you guys did your impromptu heart and soul duet. It was a podcasting moment for the ages. Yeah, normally I'm a little bit uh, awkward when you pull out the camera and capture some weird thing I'm doing. I thought this <laughs> turned out really well. I was very happy with uh, with our duet, considering I have not played a piano Probably since I took lessons when I was 13. Yeah, I used to take lessons too, and um, I could do a mean chopsticks, but I was glad that you were the one who jumped on the piano. Excellent, Heather. We will work on that and duet at the flower piano at uh, the Botanical Gardens in the future. But real talk, when I think of the Armory, I think of kink.com, the most recent resident. But there's some new non-porn things going on in this iconic space uh, Skylight Studios is there. I hadn't even heard of this group. I had neither, but they're called Skylight at the Armory, and they're all about um, using space that is awaiting development. You know, development in San Francisco takes a million years, and oftentimes the buildings are left empty in the meantime. So they moved into the Armory and are um, doing installations that and pop-ups that are really cool. Right now you can see immersive Picasso. Um, they also did some big event with Hermes, uh, some sort of fashion show we were not invited to, and I'm kind of upset about that. But they've done a lot of cool <laughs> stuff and have more plans in the works. Uh, I'm upset about that, and I'm very happy that you're the one who had to pronounce Hermes, because I would have embarrassed myself. Well, I don't know if I got it right. I don't I'm, own any Hermes. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure you got it. Our guests are Stephanie Blake and Jeremy Houston. Stephanie is CEO of Skylight Studios, and Jeremy is their in-house historian. After this tour, I'm just amazed by this space. Yes, I'd walked past it so many times and thought how weird looking it was, but I can't remember if I've ever actually been inside. If I have, it's been a really long time. So it was neat to see um, all of the previous uses and strange spaces. We even got to go up on the roof. I was not allowed to climb up the ladders onto the upper part of the roof, but um, maybe someday. I'm really excited about the fact that people can get into the armory now, that this sort of mysterious place maybe has a future that's part of our entertainment, that's part of San Francisco in a way that we can all discover it together. Yes, and I'm thinking we could do a cool Total SF event there someday. 
I was thinking the same thing, and I was thinking roller skating. They have a fantastic <laughs> hardwood floor. Uh, get uh, David Miles Jr. in there. Get a good DJ. Ultimate total SF event in the Mission District. Okay, it's a date. Well, Imagine Picasso, the immersive exhibition, has been extended to April 9th. More information at imagine-picasso.com. I'm Peter Hartlub here with Heather Knight. More random musical interludes in 2022. This is Total SF. Thank you very much. Welcome to the Total SF Podcast and to one of the coolest and strangest and most historic buildings in San Francisco, the Armory. Uh, We're sitting in a 200,000 square foot property, looks like a Moorish castle. Stephanie, Jeremy, is it fun coming to work here? Absolutely. I mean, every day is different. Every day is unique. I discover something in this massive fortress um, every time I'm here. Yeah, I think also just walking in and uncovering, like when he was showing you where the trusses are anchored in the basement, and your point of the fearlessness you need to have in a building like this, and it's sort of raw state and the darkness that you, yeah, encounter around different bends. It's kind of, it's an adventure. (laughs) Yeah, we just took a tour, and Heather and I were, you know, like tourists, just looking at everything. It was fascinating. My number one takeaway is it's 100% definitely haunted, correct? Correct. 100%. (laughs) And there's going to be a haunted house here at some point, right? I can neither confirm nor deny, (laughs) but we would be happy to welcome one. Well, I've walked by this building a million times, and I'm not sure if I've ever been inside, but definitely not for a really long time, and it's not really what I expected at all. It's so weird looking outside and so much history inside. I think that's shared with a lot of San Franciscans. That's why we love to do what we do, bring people inside, let them see these iconic San Franciscan spaces. Yeah. What was your favorite part, Peter? My favorite part of the tour? Our duet. I mean, that was magical. <laughs> that <I'm sorry>. was magical. <laughs> Randomly, there is a grand piano on one of the top floors of the armory, and Peter and Jeremy played a little heart and soul. Yeah. The acoustics helped. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Music in these spaces brings it to life. Like we have such a shift in how you feel like it's an incredible space you're exploring. But the minute sound and the way sound affects space, I feel like that was actually a really interesting moment in appreciating that. Here. <laughs> I, I was stunned by how big it is. And you see it from the outside. But when you get inside that main space, um, I mean, it's bigger than the Bill Graham Civic Auditorium, which I think of as, you know, one of the bigger indoor spaces uh, you don't really realize it till you get in there. And so much of the old stuff is still there, which I think is supremely cool. It was definitely built to impress. Um, it was built to make a statement. And it was built for a use that, uh, you know, that no longer exists. So we're excited to, to reimagine it now. And it's interesting when something is purpose-built, the creative use that can follow, like column free, the level of ceiling height, you can't find that anywhere. And when you think of some of the productions here, that's what they're looking for. It's a white whale that do- isn't built today. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to see how creative use can dovetail with these purpose-built structures over a century yeah. old. Well, the armory was built in 1912 on the former site of an amusement park and has had a lot of uses since then, some of them family-friendly and some of them not so much. Um, but before we get to that, Stephanie, what is Skylight at the armory and what are you 
doing here now? Yeah, Skylight at the Armory really represents our DNA as a company. It is this idea of reopening historic, underutilized, potentially going into disrepair spaces to both the public and for creative use. And I think we are accomplishing this mission from Hermes to Picasso um, and being able to think about how this massive building would otherwise be sitting vacant amidst you know, a very historic and soulful neighborhood in San Francisco. What would you say is the coolest thing that's happened in this building since you've been here? I would have to say the Hermes experience, yeah. I think, knowing that once it was this home to cavalry, and as Jeremy was pointing out in the basement, this massive you know, elevator that would bring up artillery, bring up the horses, and then to have this luxury brand who has such an appreciation for how things are made, fly in their white horse from Switzerland and do a performance celebrating how things are made, how things are built, I don't think there's more of a contrast you can imagine, um, and it was magic. And you can have a horse in there. Like, that's. that's I look at Jeremy for all the permits. <laughs> um, the Coliseum permitting. I wouldn't say you can uh, day to day, but we definitely <laughs> made it happen um, and got it permitted. It was, it was a blast. Did you have to go to the planning commission and say, can I please bring a horse inside the army? Luckily, I didn't have to do that personally. Um, <laughs> but uh, a similar, similar steps were taken. Um, and it wasn't just one horse, it was two, because he came with an emotional support horse <laughs> um, as well. So uh, yeah, it was definitely unique and special. But moment. you bring up a good point. We talk about access to the inaccessible, and it's not just this idea of luxury. It's this idea of truly, without the sort of both blood, sweat, and tears, but also the level of knowledge and persistence around how to make things like bringing a horse in possible that is what we do at our sort of core <laughs> is yes most people would say that's impossible but we'll figure it out well there, there's a ton of history in this space and jeremy we got this wonderful tour and stephanie um but i want to shout out what was here even before the armory came up which is pretty cool too woodward's gardens do you have you looked into that a little bit? And I've touched on it. Um, yeah, you may know more than I do. I think it was Robert Woodward, and um, there was an aquarium here, a library. Monarch the Bear, who has come up in previous uh, Total SF podcasts and on our audio tour in Golden Gate Park, Monarch the Bear was on display there for a long time. And it was kind of the like amusement park slash meeting place of the city before Playland at the Beach and Sutro Baths. I mean, it predates wow. that. Predates yeah. And it was two city blocks, including where we are in the armory right now. So um, pour one out for Monarch the Bear. <laughs> 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 but built in 1912 and 1913, and then opened in 1914 for the National Guard. And there's still remnants of that here. Yeah, very much so. I mean, you see it in... Um, the structure itself, it's a fortress that's meant to project power and control um, from the narrow windows to this rough brick exterior, walls that are, you know, many feet thick. Um, it definitely is, it strikes an imposing figure on the block. Um, but inside, it's quite luxurious. Um, terrazzo and marble flooring and, oak and you know, redwood paneling. Um, so while the outside projects power, the inside kind of uh, reflected um, the expectations of the top National Guard brass that lived here. What were they doing here? Who was living here? How are they spending their day? I mean, you mentioned even there was a pool in the basement. Um, clearly, yeah. this was a pretty 
pretty big living space. It was. I mean, it was home to hundreds and hundreds of guardsmen at a time. Um, and yes, they had their living quarters here. You're 100% correct. In the basement, there was a recreation area, pool, shooting range, spa, um, gymnasium. Um, and then on the very top floor it, were the offices and the homes for uh, for the those that oversaw um, the many guardsmen that were here. Um, I think one of the unique points of the building is uh, the restrooms um, at either end of each hall. There's a lot of symmetry to the building because of that um, military rigidity, um, but all of the restrooms had you know 20 plus urinals to handle the amount of men that were on site all the time. <laughs> It's like a candlestick park level of uh, <laughs> restroom. I, I was I was digging around in the archive a little bit oh, before I came in here. Phrase. That's our second catchphrase. We got the first one. Um, no, I was I was looking around in the Chronicle archive before we came here, and basically the first year it was just one story after the other about how cold the place was and how like the artillery people and the National Guardsmen were complaining, and I mean, there were like four or five stories on it. This one, Armory is still barren and cold in November. Um, How did that make a headline? I know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but I was a little bit, I, I wore like three layers today, and it's, uh, it's actually quite comfortable if you're coming here for the Picasso exhibit or anything else. Um, a, lot of, a lot of life here, prize fights. Uh, I heard the Empire Strikes Back part of it was shot here. Yeah. Jeremy, talk a little bit just about, you know, what else has been here over the years. There's been a lot of uses. There's been a lot of uses. Um, so after the National Guards sort of out of, out of disuse um, in the 1930s, it then shifted to hosting prize fights, which is actually, which is actually when the drill court was capped. Originally, it was open air um, when used for the drills. Um, it was capped in the 1930s and became the Madison, Madison Square Garden of the West um, and saw a number of price sites over a handful of decades, um, again fell out of disuse, but then got picked up um, for these creative uses. The San Francisco Opera um, would do some rehearsals and set building here because of the scale um, that they needed. Um, you're right, some of uh, Star Wars was shot here. There's a little bit of contention over whether it was interior shots. Um, from my understanding, it was actually the explosions um, because it was the only place where you could hang uh, the backdrop needed and do the explosion in there and be able to film kind of all at the same time. Um, after kind of a, a strange period of cre these small creative uses, uh, it was the home of kink.com um, and remain so over a handful of years. Um, and I really credit them with keeping the building standing, investing in the infrastructure to keep um, the building up. Um, and then it changed hands yet again. And that's when Skylight became involved in order to open it up for uh, these creative events. It's funny, a number of our properties are where explosions can take place versus anywhere else in the city. So yeah, I thought you were going to say a number of our properties are um, restored oh, from kink.com. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of people, I, I do think there's like probably a younger generation who thinks of this armory purely as the porn place. And is that something that you, I mean, is that a struggle as you're using it for different things? I, I'm sure there's a lot of people who still think that's what this is. Yeah, I think that there's, uh, you know, 
we never want to bury history. It's part of the fabric um, that makes these buildings so fascinating. And a number of our clients, for example, Hermes, um, didn't shy away from it. It's part of San Francisco. Um, you know, it's a city that has always been welcoming and free um, <laughs> in those ways. And so, uh, you know, give credit where credit's due. Um, I say it's, it's part of the history of the, of the site. Yeah, and good stewards for the place are good stewards for the place. But I have to ask, did they leave anything behind when you brought in, or was it all cleaned out? Um, the building has been thoroughly sanitized. Um, <laughs> although there are remnants, paint, paint, uh, red paint, black paint on the wall. Um, you can get a sense of, uh, of what those rooms might have looked like, but it's definitely me. We'll be right back after this short break. So we're at the mid-roll where an ad is about to play, but first I'm very excited to announce our next Total SF movie night, the 1972 screwball comedy What's Up Doc, 7 p.m. Thursday, April 21st, at the mighty Balboa Theater in San Francisco. We'll have trivia and prizes. Our bagpiper is back. Support Total SF, support some indie businesses in the Richmond district. Get your tickets now at balboamovies.com. Well, a very different use now. It's Currently, it's the site of the Immersive Picasso exhibit. So um, we got a brief sneak peek at that. But tell us about the exhibit and how it's going and how long people can see it. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, um, so I'm excited to say we just extended um, through the beginning of April. Um, so April 9th will be the final day to see it. Um, it's a fully immersive uh, exhibit based, based on projection, and it brings hundreds and hundreds of Picasso's works um, to life. Uh, it is a show in essentially three parts. Um, there's uh, a small cafe um, and a full bar uh, to relax a bit, and then you move into uh, a room that gives you the history um, of Picasso's life and uh, allows you to get a glimpse of the artist himself before you move into the 20,000 square foot open uh, projection space um, with towering origami structures and uh, 30 foot high walls. Cool. There's also an immersive Frida Kahlo exhibit and there was a immersive Van Gogh exhibit last year. Do you guys have any thoughts about why this is such a trend right now? I think that there's been a trend for art and design and experiential for a while. I think COVID enabled, you know, the sort of exhibition style, be it from the refinery 29, 29 rooms, to become something that actually could be safe during COVID. You're in these expansive spaces. You can um, actually like time register how people enter. And so I think that that's helped this trend. But I think generally um, the way that people experience entertainment and the quality of technology and projection and all of that has played into this becoming a new experience. Um, I think there's a lot of ways that it can be done well. Um, and I think that the 
way that content has been expanding exponentially to this oversaturation. There's been, I think, between sort of some of the Netflix and some of these big media companies, a way to, even in COVID, people want to be together. And so there's something about creating connection and space in buildings as part of an experience that helps drive loyalty beyond just consuming content from your home. Mm -hmm. And so I think this is all playing into the trend right now. Is it surprising to you that people are paying so much money to see projections of artwork instead of going to museums to see the actual artwork? I um, I think we're having uh, a conversation about that right now, like as a culture. It reminds me of people, you know, when people say, uh, maybe you saw a great movie and, you know, you have that friend who says, oh, the, the book was better. Um, I think it's the same story, but told through a different medium. Um, and that's what we're having the conversation about now. What is Guernica? Is Guernica the physical th item, um, which isn't leaving its home? Um, or is it the concept? Um, and giving people access to that in, in a new way, I think, is, is exciting and, and unique. So what's next for the Armory after Immersive Picasso? Do you want to break any news right now on the Total SF podcast? No. <laughs> no, but it's going to be exciting. It's going to be, it, I mean, the, the space is so flexible and so functional that really the best of the best of the best happens here. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited for everyone to see it. I, I love the idea of secret spaces in the city. Like people have come by here and they don't know what's inside. And then when you come inside, it's not a disappointment. Um, is that something Skylight's kind of looking for? I mean, is that part of the business model? I think about, you know, we were talking about Brooks Hall. Nobody knows there's this convention center under City Hall. Mm -hmm. Heather and I really, really want Skylight to do something at the secret ghost muni station <laughs> that we're trying to get into. Yeah, I think that a lot of our... I guess DNA is identifying secret space. And I think secret space can have many different forms and take many different. Um, I think the challenge we have is we do like Brooks Hall is incredible, right? It's this I forgot, but there are, to be practical, these life safety issues in terms of how do you bring people down? How do you make it usable? How do you make it accessible? But I do think the element of surprise, but also the celebration of these sort of underutilized, forgotten. We talk a lot about urban archaeology being something that's so part of like our mission is how do you uncover these spaces in these urban cores that are such a part of the history of our city, our town, our culture, and to bring that to life is incredible. And to walk people through for the first time who are imagining what could be created. So yes, we are always looking to uncover something that is unexpected. Well, Jeremy, we touched on the first myth. It was the uh, Empire Strikes Back Star Wars connection. What about er everything I read? If you go to like the Wikipedia page, if you go to anybody talking on a kind of baseline level about the armory, they're talking about the creek allegedly running underneath Mission Creek. I'm imagining there's not a creek under this building, but you can tell me what... Uh, yeah, what there's. The uh, you're right. It, it's a it's a bit of an urban myth, but it's one that I really enjoy uh, <laughs> allowing to exist. Um, I don't <laughs> want to debunk it. Yeah, I don't want to debunk it. It's so much fun. Um, I, I love the idea of of, of Mission Creek, a remnant of Mission Creek. This you know, uh, running under the building. Unfortunately, that's not quite what it is. Um, it is groundwater that's collecting in the basement. Um, you know, this was a marshy area um, where San Francisco sort of 
was born. Um, and we do have pumps running 24 hours a day, pumping all that water out. Without it, the basement would fill um, and has filled in the past 10, 12, uh, 15 feet of water. Um, so through this use, through Skylight's use and um, these buildings, these buildings get saved. But yeah, not, not a creek, just, just groundwater. Well, our, our plan for a Skylight Total SF kayak tour underneath <laughs> the armory is blown away. But I think we need to film a horror movie or somebody needs to do it down there. I, I don't know. If 100% a horror movie, uh, a fight scene. Fight scene would look great in that moody, yeah. concrete. Uh, like a swamp monster. Kind of love that. Love yeah. that. And you also mentioned on the tour something that caught my interest, which is that you're a trapeze teacher and oh. <laughs> former tap dancer. Can you tell us more? Um, I thought we were talking about the armory today. Well, um, yeah. You never know where the podcast is <laughs> Very at. fair. Yeah, I've had, I've had a lot of lives um, in the past. I taught uh, the flying trapeze in West Oakland um, in college and then throughout high school I was, uh, I was a tap dancer. The drill courts uh, ha- has... The dual court has a floated maple wood floor, which makes tap sound great. <laughs> well, you've survived our serious questions, and now it's time for the lightning round. Where is your favorite place in the city, and you're in prime territory right here, to get a burrito? Um, Pancho Villa, 100%. <laughs> Classic San Francisco burrito. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what is your favorite movie filmed in San Francisco? What's up, Doc? Oh, we're going to oh. show that next in our Total SF Movie Night series. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. It's so fun. I just think it's so fun. And what, like, it showcases San Francisco so well. Um, talk about unexpected spaces. Well, you should come um, to our movie night and tap dance. I, oh. <laughs> I, I really set myself up here. Yeah. <laughs> or I, unfortunately, I made <laughs> Where's your favorite place in the city to get a stiff drink? Mmm... I'd say I, I, it, that's a, that's a tie, um, a tie between True Laurel, which is I think fantastic. Their their pine uh, based cocktail is amazing. Um, but another favorite, I live in the Fillmore, and one of my favorite spots is Sheba Lounge, right across oh, yeah. from what used to be um, Yoshi's. And so one of my favorite pastimes was to go sit at the bar there because whoever was playing at Yoshi's invariably would walk on over to Sheba after their set, and you'd get a free performance. I bet you've seen Mayor London Breed there because that was also her answer. Wow. Yeah? Oh, good. I'm so glad. Um, it's a fantastic, fantastic spot. I will say when I first moved here in 2005, I lived on Lombard and Van Ness and Black Magic is this little dive bar right on the corner there that looked really scary. And I thought I was super cool going there having a stiff, dirty martini, <laughs> that tiny place right, right there on that very busy corner. Sounds good. <laughs> what is, both of you can answer this, best all-time use of the armory? I think the, the coolest thing I've ever seen was a live dancing horse in the drill court. I mean, <laughs> with his I, that's, emotional support horse. That, yeah, with his emotional support horse, um, with his strawberries flown from France. It was, I mean, I just, who, what military leader could have imagined when they were building this space that that was the future use of it? A, a horse dancing with a human, celebrating the history of the gold rush in San Francisco. It was phenomenal. <laughs> strawberries flown in from France? Yeah, it what's the horse. story behind that? <laughs> it, it's a, it was a. Um, there are only a handful of these horses in the world um, that that dance these dances, and and they have riders, um, and not the rider on the horse, <laughs> but um, similar to Mariah Carey, you know, only green M and M's. They're they're taken care of. Wow, this horse has expensive taste. It does. And do you have a favorite, or would that be your answer also? 
I think that's probably my answer. I think the, yes. Okay. Um, besides the armory, what is your favorite San Francisco landmark? I think, um, I think my favorite landmark is actually the, the Ferry Building. Um, we worked there for a number of years um, doing all kinds of events across the property. I got to explore everything from the inside of the clock tower to uh, you know empty empty retail spaces in the depth of the pandemic. But that is a building that has just had nine lives and has mm-hmm. always represented San Francisco back to itself. And not just San Francisco, but it, it really serves as a gateway to the Bay Area. Um, it collects the best of um, the Bay Area sort of in, in one space. Um, uh, and and so I, and it's always there. It's just always there. Mm-hmm. Good choice. I think we've gotten the opportunity to explore some sort of undiscovered spaces that might not be landmarks that everyone in the city thinks of. But the Fort Miley area, um, mm-hmm. a lot of, as we know, like a lot of the sort of park area was former military sites. And there's an octagon house that's sort of just above where the Sutro baths used to be. And it was built in like 1927. And it was specifically before there were telegraphs or anything where the mariner would stand there and if they saw a ship approaching, they would have to wave this flag that would signal to the rest of the city that there was a ship approaching. And that whole Fort Miley, the battery, all that, there was never a shot fired, which is kind of amazing. But to know that that was there and it still stands and we're still in the process of we've worked with national parks and thought about with the GDR and it, what could we do there? So that is a skylight space oh. and something that we've had this sort of, there's a magic to thinking about how that could one become. Are you gonna do something at the Octagon House? Our goal, we have yet to, to determine what. Um, last question, what is something you always make sure to squeeze into your busy day? A cold shower, <laughs> freezing cold shower. It's like the way I have to start my day. Oh God, that sounds horrible. <laughs> I know to most people. <laughs> but for me, it's a, it's a reset and a... I think uh, mine is, I, I always try to take time to appreciate a sunset mm. when I get one. I've lived in too many San Francisco dungeons, um, <laughs> and now that I have a house that has a window, I take full advantage. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having us to the Armory. It was a lot of fun to meet you. Thank you. It was an thank honor. You thank you for taking the time. Thank you for listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Total SF is a production of the Chronicle. Our music is The Tide Will Rise by the Sunset Shipwrecks off their album Community and Cable Car Bell Ringing by eight-time champion Byron Cobb. Support Total SF in the newsroom that creates it by investing in a digital Chronicle edition. It's less expensive than you think at sfchronicle.com pod. Heather and I have been to a lot of places. This is at the very top of my nomination for um, places in San Francisco where they should film a horror movie.
that is part of the job description, though, is you have to have a certain level of fearlessness. <laughs> yeah. Because these lights, and you're turning lights off and having to go through the building on your own at the end of an evening or whatever it is, it's a, there's a badge of courage you get, for sure, <laughs> to that point. What am, I, what am I hearing right now? Yeah, so that is the, that's the groundwater um, being pumped out and into, into a creek. So that uh, is let out into the Mission Estuary and then exits into the bay.